The following audio is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe is available at axechurchleander.com. My name is Pastor Barrett. If you haven't, uh, if we haven't met yet, I'm, I'm here at Axe for a couple of months. I've been here two months. I'll probably be here for throughout the school year, and, and I'm planning to plant a church with the Axe Network. So it's it's a fun place for me to land and be with you guys for this next season of life. Uh, we just finished up a series called The Art of Neighboring. It's a little tiny mini-series, three weeks, where we figured out what it looks like for us to be uh, neighbored by God and then also to be neighbors to other people. And, and today we start um, something that, that you guys started back in January. From January to May, uh, Axe has been doing the story. And it, it's going through the entire Bible. And, and January through May was the Old Testament, and today, we start the New Testament. So we'll be going through the New Testament, um, big kind of thematic events in the New Testament, starting today, going till about um, Thanksgiving. So you can stay tuned for that. Uh, and my part in this is talking about today, Jesus' birth. Jesus' birth. If you're one of those people who uh, likes to know where the, the preacher's going, and you're like, where are his three points so I can know when one's done and two's begun and three's about to begin, here are the three things today. Uh, well, number one, Jesus and Mexican food. That's the first act. Second act is, is presence. And then the third act is you better recognize, son. So Jesus and Mexican food. Why do they go together? How do they go together? What's this all about? Our staff went to a conference this past week. It's called the, the Wiki Conference, and we were there in Houston. And a lot of our staff got to go, and some of our teams got to go. And there were other staffs from other churches and other students and, and leaders uh, in the church at this conference. And so I got to see some of my friends from um, seminary and undergraduate and, and just some other pastors and, and church leaders and DCs and teachers that I know. And they said, Barrett, you've been in Austin for about two months. What's it like? And I said, the Mexican food. you got to know about the Mexican food. It's amazing. And I've told this to some of you guys, but I told it to them because I think it's funny, and it's one of those pastor's jokes. Um, I was like, it's the land of molten cheese and margaritas. It's amazing. So for the first two weeks, my wife and I were here. It was Mexican food and margaritas. It was amazing. So... See, Pastor Jokerman's like, that's about a three. I'll go to Fallon if I really want a ten. Um, but Mexican food can change the way you view Christmas. There's one item on every Mexican menu that changes the way you view Christmas. And it did this for me. Carne asada. Has anyone had carne asada before? Yeah, all right. That's like 70%. All right. Um, who knows what carne asada means? I'm going to Guatemala. I don't know a lick of Spanish. So just can somebody help us out? Who knows what it means? Bueller. Bueller. Okay, well, I looked it up in case no one knew. Okay, carne asada means grilled meat. So if you're looking there and you, you're at a Mexican, if you're at Hardeen, you're like, grilled meat. I just want grilled meat. Order the carne asada. They'll bring you grilled meat. What carne asada and Christmas have to do with each other is there's this theological idea 
this term, this concept. And they give it a special name. They call it the incarnation. And it's this idea that, it's this reality that we have that, that God comes down and incarnates into a human. God becomes flesh, becomes meat, becomes a person, and comes down to become a human. So why is this important? Why, why do we need to know that, that incarnation and Jesus go together? Because it would be easy to think that, that Jesus is just a spiritual thing. He's a spiritual guy who came and, you know, he, he might not have really been human, but, but he's just a spiritual leader. And Jesus shows us throughout his Gospels that he's real. He's human. He dwells with us. He comes with us. He eats food. That's why he's eating food after the resurrection. He lets people touch him. He goes and touches people. He's a God that comes near. He's a God that comes near. Incarnation means in the flesh. The Greek for it is ensarki. The the Latin for it is encarne. So I hope that every time you go to a Mexican restaurant, you see carne asada, it ruins your brain, and you think, well, Jesus, in the flesh, right here. I like uh, talking about Jesus' birth now because it's not at Christmas. Christmas is, to me, in my head, it's, it's one of the busiest times of the year. And, and when, it's, when we walk into that busyness, there seems to be so much else around Christmas than, than God coming into our world. So for me, I'm already getting travel plans like for my family. It's like, hey, when are you showing up? Are you coming north? Are you going east? Where are you going? Um, that is a part of Christmas. Gifts, if you were a kid or an adult or somewhere in between, are a part of Christmas. A couple years ago, I looked at my Google calendar, and from December like 1st to December 19th, there were three nights where nothing was planned. Because <laughs> it was, oh, here's a party, and here's a staff get-together, and here's a school event. And it just seemed like there is so much crowding this month leading up to Christmas. And I think sometimes... When, when things crowd into the most important things, we lose what's most important about the time. So what I think and what, what we're learning about here is most important about this time is God coming to be with his people. And that's why we read from Matthew 1 today. It, it's kind of a different view of Christmas. It, the same events happen, but, but Matthew highlights a couple things. He doesn't highlight the shepherds and the angels in the field, and they all come in, and you get that little nativity scene. No, the, Matthew has it look a bit different. So I'm going to read through it again, and I want you to just think, what does this Christmas look like in Matthew? All right. Now, the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. 
She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. To me, it's, it's, it's simple. I mean, it's, it's, it's super complex. I mean, we have virgin birth, angel coming to Joseph in a dream. Um, but, but Joseph's response, it's, it's simple, and it's almost too simple. If you look at like verse 24 and 25, he woke from the, his sleep, and he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. He just, yep, I'm going to do it. It's going to be hard, but I'm going to do it. He took his wife, but he didn't know her until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. At the end, it's almost like the, it's almost like the character is Joseph and, and not Jesus in this account. And what, what, I, what messes with me here is that it seems small, and it, it seems almost insignificant. But, but the reality is it's huge. This moment that's, that seems small is huge. It's, it's incarnation. It's Emmanuel. This, this prophecy for these hundreds of years before had, had come true in something that seemed so small and insignificant. It's just, and he called his name Jesus, and right there it happened. Emmanuel means God with us. God with us right here and right now. And, and it's, it's interesting to look at this story to see this is how he chose to do it. An unconventional way. I mean, if you're the, the God of everything or the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Prince of Priests, you'd, you'd have a bit more fanfare. Trumpets would happen, all sorts of stuff, streamers, big gender reveal party, yada, 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 yada. But, but it happens in an unconventional way. It's unusual and it's an odd place for this big king or God. But if we're talking about God coming down, Jesus' birth, the beginning of this New Testament story, we need to know that sometimes that's how it happens. Sometimes God picks the most usual things in the most normal of circumstances in the most conventional ways to, to enter into the story of humanity, to enter into the lives of his people. So what is this birth all about? It's about his presence in his world, where he dwells with his people, where, as we talked about in the last series, where he moves into the neighborhood, where Jesus comes to be with the people that he loves. So act two, why do we need his presence? What's his whole presence thing all about? Well, if we look at the the beginning of the Old Testament, way back to January when y'all were talking about uh, the garden and the fall and things that were happening there, uh, it just strikes me that Jesus, or that, that God's first question in the garden after they had sinned wasn't, hey, what did you guys do? What happened? We had this perfect thing set up. It was great, and I told you not to eat from here, and you didn't for a while, but then you went and ate from here. What happened? 
That would be, if I were the Heavenly Father, I would come down and just be like, come on, there was one thing, really? And kind of blast them on what they did. But no, he doesn't do that. The first question to them is, where are y'all? Where are you? It's, it's, there's, because sin entered the world and because of the things they did, there's a rift. It cuts right through. And yeah, they did bad things, but there was a broken relationship with humanity and with the Father. And, and what was broken couldn't be fixed. And so we see examples of this. Like, we see examples of this all around. If, if the brokenness is the, the starting point, then the symptoms are, you, you can see them all over. So if you go on a date, or if you're at a restaurant, Jardin del Rey or something like that, um, and you look over and there's a boy and a girl and they're on a date, and there's a TV playing and an iPhone on the table, and the guy's just staring at the TV, and the girl's just staring at the phone, this is a symptom of what was supposed to be connected is now a bit separate. And I'm not just dogging on technology because... Oftentimes, that's me. If I go into a place, there need not be a TV because I'm gone. But, but what was meant to be whole is now fractured. The relationships that we have where they're supposed to be connected are now disconnected. What, what was meant to be community that God gave us, now, now there's isolation. And isolation is a very, very dangerous place to be for us. I, I read this book called Trauma and Evil, which is only meant to be read on a Tuesday that is uh, overcast and rainy because it's just, you read about trauma and evil for 350 pages and it's brutal. Um, anyway, this guy, J. Jeffrey Means, wrote in this book the, this quote. He says, this gradual shift away from relatedness to God, others, ourselves, and even reality itself leads to an increasing isolation of oneself from the mainstream of life. He says, don't get isolated. We're not meant for isolation. He continues, it also sets the stage for an egotistical, out-of-control, and ultimately self-destructive approach to life. Your, your, your approach to life when you're not connected to other people or connected to God, when there's this rift there, it's, it's out of whack. The lens is off. The lens needs to be adjusted. He says, it's, isolation is not good. We're not meant to be disconnected. So we, we start in, in Matthew chapter 1 because it shows us God's plan. In the simplest, usual, but yet unusual conventional but unconventional way possible. And his plan is to come and be near us. God's plan is to be with you, to be next to you so you don't have to be apart from him. The plan was to fix this massive rift that was caused by sin that, that keeps us from being with the Father. So, so Jesus comes down, Emmanuel comes down to be God with us, where we're at, right where we're at. And when this happens, we see little glimpses of it. So if you're, if you're in 
uh, a church or if you've experienced what was isolation and, and God transformed in community, that's what the presence of God does. Or, or if you've experienced something fractured becoming whole again, that's what the presence of God does. Or if you've experienced disconnect and God brings you in and, and he makes it connected again, that's what the presence of God does. It's his incarnation, and he does this for you. The, the, Matthew says uh, that he, his name is Jesus. We, we get the idea, Emmanuel coming to be with us, but his name is also Jesus. And that comes from the Hebrew name Joshua, which is Yeshua. And it's Yahweh will save you. God will, will save you. And so when Joseph names him Jesus... It's meant to show us, hey, this is what he's going to do for you, for all of you. And it's, it's not just the things that are done to you, because a lot of times we can be isolated or alone or our lives can be fractured, and it's stuff that we had no part of. It's like, I didn't mean for this to happen, God, but, but it's happening to me, and I don't like it, and so I need you to save me from this scenario. And Jesus is meant to save us from sin. But it's also meant to save us from the sins that, that we do, that we actively either think about doing and then we do it, where we just slander someone's name or, or cheat our neighbor or, or just do bad stuff. Or the things that we don't do, where it's like, well, I should have done this, but I didn't do it. Jesus is also there to save us from our sins. And when he comes down to dwell with us, he shows us that it's not just about me putting up with you, but it's about me coming here to love you, to forgive you, to save you from those sins. Part three, you better recognize. The Hebrew people had a, a, a pattern of recognizing and remembering what God had done for them. And it's a pattern that that help them identify who they were. Hey, we're God's chosen people. What he did for us back then affects how I am now. So if you think about Moses, when he shows up or he's walking around and, and there's a burning bush and, and God comes near, when the presence of God comes near, that's God showing up and things changed. A whole people group they went from slavery to not being slaves anymore. God said, I'm done with this bondage. You're coming out. And they remembered that. That went deep into their identity. Or if you think to the New Testament, Paul, he's walking down the road to Damascus. Boom! Bright light. Jesus speaks to him. And he says, Paul, Paul, why do you persecute me? That moment we remember because it changed Paul's identity. It changed him right here. And so when he says, hey, I was the chief of sinners. I was the worst among you. I persecuted Christians. And then, then he makes the move, and Jesus comes in. His presence comes in, and it's now, hey, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. That's the difference that the presence of God makes. But I don't just want to lift up these Old Testament and New Testament leaders, because I haven't met Paul, and I haven't met Moses. Um, so I want to tell you about a guy named Terry. Terry was a, a friend of mine in St. Louis. He was an elder at our church, a single guy, and we used to connect on cars. 
So when Terry threw me the keys to his Corvette and said, hey, let's go for a ride, I said, thank you very much, key in the ignition, and off we go. And one afternoon we did this, and he, he said, hey, pull over here. And there was this restaurant on the banks of the Mississippi River. And we stopped there, and he told me his story, like, like the deeper parts of his story. And he said, hey, when I was in my young 20s, I went to Vietnam. And I was training for that, and I could have just gone like a couple of weeks, a couple of months, and then flown over. But, but I ended up in this class where I learned radio and communication skills. And I did really well in it. And then he's like, hey, but then, but then I went to another class, and it was an officer's training school. And so I went from only having six months of training to having 18 months of training in some of the fiercest fighting in Vietnam. And then he said, when I got back, uh, most of my uh, other officers were angry because they didn't want to go, and, and they, they really weren't meant to be there, and they saw things that, that no one should have to see. And he said, and I was angry for a while, but, but God, I felt his presence. I felt him close to me. And I was like, wow, that's, that's something. He's like, no, Barrett, I don't think you get it. I didn't even think that he was next to me, that God was kind of directing my path through this whole time. And he said, Barrett, you don't get it. He was there the entire time, and I didn't even see it. And Terry said, that's my story, and that's how I, my lens changes now. I look for him. I try to find out, hey, where are you at today? So that was Terry, but he kind of got me started on thinking, well, what's my story? Where do I see God's presence in my life? And so I was kind of looking through old journals. I will show them to you, but you cannot read them. Uh, and this one's from about nine years ago. And it, it kind of narrates the driest spiritual point in my life. The point that's kind of rock bottom for me. When they talk about going out into the desert, this holds my desert experiences. I was a sophomore in college, and I'd gone away to work in, uh, at a place in the summer, and, and I walked into it with family kind of falling apart ahead of me, and I know God's path was this way, but I was looking over here for different comfort, and I was looking over there, like over there for some sort of identity, and I was looking anywhere I could. And I, I kind of flipped through these pages, and I was like, yeah, some things were out of control, and that wasn't a good moment. But then I intermixed in those pages are moments where I was like, I got to see an awesome sunset today. It was beautiful. And now I know, hey, God was showing me how he's kind of in control of things, and that's cool. Or, or I'd read through and I'd be like, wow, this person really had this conversation. I thought they were with me, and I thought they were nuts at the time. But, but God put them into my life at that moment to help kind of bring me back and get me going. And, and I look at my story, and I say, wow, I, I didn't feel like he was next to me at all. Like I was looking this way, and he was kind of like right behind me the whole time. And then he turned me around and said, Barrett, this is... This is where I am. I came here to be with you. 
in the midst of your mess. So a lot of you guys got note cards on the way in. And if you didn't, you can get one at the back. But I think when we talk about Jesus' birth, when we talk about Christmas, when we talk about his presence with us, we really need to recognize, where is he at in my story? So we oftentimes have a little bit of silence after our sermon. So if you want to take that time, maybe just to write down, God, this is where you were at in my life. You can do that. Or if in your devotional time, or if you don't have a devotional time then, then this week, then maybe just write, hey, where, where have you been in my life? I just want to recognize that and remember it. Follow in the footsteps of those people that have gone before me and remember where God has been, where he's shown up. If you don't think, if, you don't even, if that question kind of hurts on the inside because you're like, I, I don't even like that question, Barrett, because I don't think he's here. I, you're talking, but it doesn't click then I encourage you, pray. Say, God, please show me where you're at. Show, me, show up in my life because I don't, I don't see it right now. I don't feel it. It's not, it's, it's not one of those times where I'm facing you right now. I feel like I can't even see you in my picture. Just pray to him and ask him. Say, God, please show me where you're at. Because his birth means that he's here with us. He's incarnate. He's in the flesh. And his presence changes our lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you had everything figured out. You, it doesn't seem like Christmas um, is a fitting way for the king of the universe to enter in, but you had that figured out. You knew that at just the right time and at just the right place, that Jesus would come to be with his people, your people, the people you created and gave an identity to. And we thank you for that. Please help us see where you've been present in our lives. And if we're struggling to figure that out, God, give us the courage through your spirit to pray. Show me. Show me where you are because I can't see you right now. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at axechurchleander.com.